You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, you should check out the full finance journey at realvision.com slash rvpod to get the full view of what Real Vision is all about. A video on-demand platform you can watch anywhere. Our members get daily videos and analysis, plus access to more than 3,000 videos for beginners and experienced investors alike, and live events online. You'll join the most thoughtful community in finance. More than 300,000 people who trust Real Vision to be the anchor to truth in the financial world. To get started, visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code PODCAST10 to get 10% off our essential membership for your first year. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm Andreas Larsen, joining you from Copenhagen, Denmark. You can see it's getting dark out here, so it's late uh, evening here in uh, in the northern parts of Europe. We've had a massive amount of market action to unpack you for the, today, uh, and I'm super happy to be joined by Tom Thornton, uh, the founder of the hedge fund Telemetry um, today. Welcome, Tom. Hey, nice to see you. Um, yeah, we have a lot to unpack. Quite a day. I want to talk to you and ask you questions about the ECB meeting today. That was something else. And something about interest rates happen in Europe. What else? Um, equity markets in the US closed flat dead on the, the lows here today. Uh, nasty last two hours Woof. yeah head of the cpi i mean it's been quite an an, an action-packed day um we had of course the european central bank out earlier this morning european time um and uh, they basically uh, reignited the front end of the euro rates curve with some communication around interest rate hikes coming up over the summer um it was quite the mess of a press release uh, if you ask me and uh, as you mentioned tom equity markets disliked this move that we've seen in uh, in interest rate markets what do you make of the moves that we've seen in uh, in the u.s equity space over the past 24 hours here well we've had this really choppy week and i think the market has um, been dragged around and and whipped around with uh, option dealers that have uh, I think it's 3.2 trillion dollars of options expiring a week from Friday tomorrow and the gamma levels are 4100 and 4200 so once we broke the 4100 that's where I, I think the dealers had to sell more uh, to protect themselves and increase the deltas on the downside so that's kind of the thought I have um, there and I do believe that it's just a lot of concerns about the CPI and everyone has their crystal ball out trying to figure out what is going to happen tomorrow and we'll talk about that that's what I'm told right 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, we will, of course, also give our opinion on what's going to happen tomorrow with the CPI report. But before we get to that, Tom, uh, I know you watch at, le at least parts of the European Central Bank's press conference as well. Uh, what do you make of what they told markets seen from the other side of the pond? It just seemed to me that she was trying to satisfy everyone involved, uh, the the hawks, the doves, er, everybody. And the, the um, 25 basis point uh, direction for July, I think that was an attempt to satisfy the doves. Um, I mean, the first comments I was getting, oh, this is a dovish um, ECB. Um, but I, I think that there was talk that in September, you know, 50 basis points, so that would satisfy the hawks. I just think that you can't in the central bank world these days um, be weak. And as you said, it was one of the worst comments. Uh, why don't you tell us why? Uh, I mean, when I read the press release earlier today, it kind of struck me how many what-if scenarios they included in one press release. Uh, I don't think I've seen as many what-if scenarios included in one press release before. So it was kind of a mess to get through it. Um, and they started very firmly in this press release by, by basically stating that there is one mission and one mission only now, and that is to bring inflation back to 2%, which is quite needed. I mean, if you look at the inflation pressure over the past three months in Europe and annualize it, we are basically running at above 60 percent now. Uh, crazy numbers, right? Um, and then um, you're absolutely right that um, it felt like they had to compromise between hawks and doves, which is something that we've seen before from the European Central Bank. We know that the part of Europe that I live in um, tends to be more hawkish. And then you have the southern European members um, leaning more dovish uh, due to the massive debt load of, of, of their countries, right? Uh, so essentially, it ended up as some uh, kind of compromise with a very weak um, message uh, in terms of July, only 25 basis points. I think markets basically looked for more, or at least uh, looked for a risk of more than 25 basis points. And then they only opened the door for 50 basis points in September if they have to adjust inflation uh, forecasts even higher again. Uh, so it is really tricky to figure out what they actually mean. Uh, and it is, by the end of the day, a European Central Bank, as we know it, they will take it meeting by meeting. The forward guidance is very weak. Uh, so that yeah that leaves it, it leaves it very tricky to to trade I think um, so I guess that's also something that you've been saying recently Tom that it's tricky to trade markets these days yeah it's tough and you know sometimes you can have all the data and everything and it, it, the market will just turn on a dime um, up or down and I've been saying all year on Real Vision on the daily briefing on my notes that we are going to have a lot of bear market bounces. Um, we might have just seen the end of the last bounce, which I think we got about 12% out of the NASDAQ and 10%, maybe a little bit more on the S&P. But things change really, really fast. And I think you just have to be very nimble, um, adjust your exposures very quickly. Uh, I have actually a lot of cash, like a 30% cash waiting going into the CPI tomorrow because I'm honestly, I'm not sure where it's going to come out. I, I'm on the hand on the side of it's going to be the whispers around eight and a half percent. I know that you are saying that it could be a little lower. Now I've heard
that there could be a seasonal adjustment, but I, I think that just looking at the gasoline prices in the last month and this month already to start, I think we're going to see, I don't think we're at peak inflation yet. It may start to level off at a high level, but we'll probably have another couple months of this, especially going into the um, seasonal uh, travel mode uh, for vacations. And you have the natural gas issue that um, um, that's another thing. But why, why don't you tell me why you think we can come in a little lighter on that or under uh, on the CPI? I think there's a distinction between uh, core inflation and headline inflation uh, when it comes to this debate. Uh, if we look at core inflation, uh, that number uh, will, in my view, come in on the light side, uh, basically due to base effects. Uh, so we are measuring uh, the core inflation against a very rapid increase in a couple of categories at this exact time last year, uh, not least when it comes to uh, the price of used cars and trucks. Uh, so that makes me uh, bet on a surprise on the low side for the core inflation. But I agree with you on the overall inflation number, because if you look at the development in gasoline prices, um, it seems as if to me that markets haven't penciled in completely uh, what we've seen at the pump over the past 30 days because it's been a massive move uh, and something that's even on the radar of Joe Biden right now. I think he will be watching the screen tomorrow. Um, to, 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 he already to, knows what it is. He was on Jimmy Kimmel, a talk show ho a talk show last night, and all he was talking about was inflation. Uh, and look, back in January, he had a press conference and the first thing he said was the Fed has to control inflation. And this is right after the Fed uh, Chairman Powell was renominated. And so that was the most important thing, I, I, or I believe the most important thing for the Fed right now is to control inflation. I don't think they care about the stock market wiggling around. Uh, I think they would be fine if the market went down. That would help financial conditions, uh, lower financial conditions. Um, and you know, having the interest rates move higher should, at some point, um, crimp demand. And I'm, I'm watching the housing market here in Connecticut and New York. Um, my daughter is trying to buy a house, her first house, and I'm like, you can't buy a house right now. And she's got a baby and her husband, and, and her husband doesn't want to buy it. But I'm seeing price drops. I'm seeing su substantial price drops on houses, and I believe that is starting to trickle into the housing market. So I'm I'm more concerned about inflation staying around. And, and, it, and look, if it if it drops down to 7%, it's still high. Yeah, yeah. It's still going to hurt companies. And think about all the, the companies that, that rely on on fuel, um, on other commodities. It's 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 going to be around for a while, and I I spoke to a I pulled pulled my Bloomberg chat room, and uh, basically everybody is in the belief that two months uh, we'll probably have two more months of uh, high inflation before we start to see some maybe some uh, moderate drop. And let's just say on the other hand, what do you think will happen with the markets if we come in sub eight percent? We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Well, first of all, I think you're absolutely right at pointing to the price pressures that producers see, right? Uh, if you look at the PPI, not the CPI, then we are running at double digits uh, inflation everywhere around the globe. Uh, so the cost pressure is clearly there for companies. Uh, and uh, therefore, I also lean the same way uh, as you do when it comes to risk assets. Uh, I think we have another leg lower coming up. Um, but if we get a surprise on the low side on core inflation, it may, of course, sugarcoat a bit of the upside surprise that I expect in energy prices. But right now, all that matters to me is energy prices because that's basically the focal point for the politicians. Um, I made a, a somewhat stupid chart uh, showing Biden's approval ratings compared to the price of gasoline at the pump. And they are one-to-one -one correlated since, since New Year's. Uh, so... For Biden, this is the most important political point. So I think that's what matters to the Fed as well. Don't you think so as well, Tom? Oh, absolutely. And, and we're moving into a very political period with the midterm elections with Congress. And I, I think that the Republicans, if they can not fall into the trap of a certain, a few different uh, uh, policies and um, Supreme Court issues, uh, they will sweep th these elections um, only because of the inflation issue. And and that's all anybody cares about in the U.S. And I'm sure it's the same way in Europe. Mm. Um, I, I just think that they have no plan, no idea what to do. They're relying on the Fed. And look, tomorrow, one of the things that I, I think a lot of people are going to hear is 75 basis points. I think people are going to start talking 75 basis points for the Fed next week. I think the, the odds, um, as you can see on Bloomberg, will probably start to rise um, with a, a higher CPI. I think that even if it's in line, I wouldn't be shocked to see them do 75. It wouldn't be the worst thing to just push a little harder um, because okay. I think, and I think you and I can agree, uh, the central banks are way late and they overstimulated and now they're trapped in this is what we got. Yeah. Uh, to me, it makes a ton of sense to try and front load the tightening now. Uh, and that is essentially also the direction the Fed is moving in. Uh, I'm a bit more uncertain on the European Central Bank because of all of the structural issues that they have. Um, but for the Federal Reserve, I, I sincerely tend to agree. Uh, and therefore, maybe even uh, a print at, at 8.5. I think that's the consensus. If you look at the screens right now, would be enough to, to prompt speculation of a very hawkish Fed next week. Um, but let's assume that the market is starting to move in that direction, uh, pricing the Fed even more aggressively than what we've already seen. Would that be a trigger for a, a new leg low in equities? What would you sort of um, gauge to make that assessment? You know, oftentimes the, the bad news gets priced in before the event, and Ooh. I wouldn't be shocked that it, that we see a some sort of bounce potential after the Fed. Uh, it's, at this point, it seems like it's a very low probability, but if we continue going if we continue going lower into that Fed meeting, I could see maybe a relief rally coming out of it. Uh, but I, I think that we're really in a you know very very 
difficult spot right now. Uh, people are really starting to feel the inflation. Um, you're, you see it on the on the news every single night, and it's just pounding on people right now. And and I saw I'm a little older than you, and I saw inflation as a young kid uh, when I lived in California growing up, where it got to a point with with um, gas gasoline that they they were in they were rationing gasoline and and you had to like you could buy gas on odd or even days based off of the the number the last number on your license plate now we're not there yet but people are posting on their phones and instagram and twitter you know the, how much they it, it costs to fill up their car and that's just going to grind on people's sentiment and and the market i think it's just it's it's just a bad it's a bad period right now yeah Boy, i'm happy right i, I mean mr happy today <laughs> i mean i per personally i've been humbled uh, almost by the inflation pressures that we've seen this spring i've never ever seen anything like it in my life uh born in 1989 i'm i've never seen inflation at these levels uh, so obviously this is something completely new for me to deal with from a professional perspective uh, and it has surprised me how sticky it's been um, so this is clearly something that you also need to take into consideration as an asset manager as a retail trader whatever you are uh, this will have an impact on markets over the next 6 12 18 months still yeah it's going to last a while and the thing that you that the thing that's why it's going to last a while is the fed is aggressively doing what they can to hurt demand, the demand destruction. But here's the other problem. There's a supply chain issue here and there's a demand supply, you know, demand imbalance, especially in the energy markets. Uh, you also have a war happening uh, not so far from your country. That's putting huge amounts of pressure. Now, let's play what if. If the Ukraine, Russia, there's a ceasefire, that will be a relief. But it's not going to be like everything's going to be back to normal immediately. It's going to take time. But there'll be a relief bounce, and which I certainly hope there's an end to that stupid conflict. Yeah. And a bit of anecdotal evidence from my side related to that conflict in, in Ukraine. I recently bought a car in Denmark and, and no matter which car manufacturer I visited, they all told me that they had part of the supply chain parked in Ukraine. Uh, so it's essentially impossible to get a car in Europe right now due to the conflict unfolding in uh, in Ukraine. So it is a bit of a mess and the reason why prices are, are increasing to, to a large extent. I, I wanted to, to, to briefly um, play a, a clip for you uh, in, in relation to this because if inflation is, is, is lasting uh, and if it's more sticky than anticipated by many, then it might also be uh, the trigger for a regime sh shift when it comes to, to equity styles. Uh, and um, Simon Mikhailovic, uh, the co-founder of Bullion Reserve, had a, uh, a remark in this regards uh, on another show at Daily Vision, uh, Real Vision, sorry. So let's, let's have a look at the clip. Investors will look for probably non-financial uh, ways of investing money into businesses, uh, into tangible assets, into tangible proven stores of value outside the financial system, probably, if financial system were to experience the kind of uh, disruption that I believe is, is highly likely, not 
guaranteed, but highly likely. Uh, and it's a, in a sense, it's a return to back to basics, Graham Dot, you know, value investing, looking at realistic balance sheets, realistic, you know, sustainable balance sheets, sustainable earning streams from products that are not subsidized uh, by debt. Uh, and that's where I think they will look for it. But I think it's very situational in terms of what types of securities would make sense and in terms of what types of assets. So I think that will, given the financialization of the last, uh, say, 30 years, I think it's going to be a very big shock and a very big change in sentiment. Interesting remarks from, from Simon here uh, when it comes to companies with a very solid uh, earnings and income stream uh, because essentially he's saying that this will become important uh, in the new era. Uh, and in that uh, regards, Tom, I know that you've been posting some updates on Twitter related to tech stocks. And I guess some people will claim that uh, some of the tech stocks, they don't have solid income streams in an environment like this. Uh, can you please take us a bit through your thinking on, on the tech sector in, in the current inflationary environment and how you would gauge what's going on in that sector? Right. Well, I, 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 my view on tech is that, and, and when we get these bottoms and, and tradable bottoms, uh, I've been advising to buy into the higher quality, more recognizable companies. Uh, they're going to have an easier way of moving higher. Um, you have a lot of people that have tried to buy some of the really beat down garbagey type names and they work um, they worked on the first and second bounce um, that we've had so far but this last bounce it was really you didn't really see the moves um, that we had on the other so we're losing the lack of resolve or the, the conviction that people have with some of the more lesser quality names like I bought Microsoft I had some Apple and I'm, I'm still long Adobe I was long AMD um, and you know smart you know in, in, Nvidia uh, worked out and now I, I think I just have just a few uh, right now I, I'm long some electronic arts uh, because I, I believe that there is an M&A transaction ahead for them uh, I'm still long Adobe I think it's a very sticky business great management um, products or you just can't do without them um, but I recently took some some off I, I've been able to trade this market um, you know I make mistakes I sometimes sell a little early um, and, and let's see some profits you know go you know past me uh, I recently bought into uh, some of the um, China internet names I bought um, Alibaba before earnings and it popped and you know, it's been this these false starts with the China internet, and I've really I've been on the side of these are uninvestable when the government is at war with these right. companies, but they're starting to soften it up a bit, and they had a nice move this week. They gave some back today, but I keep my exposures at a at a very um, defined uh, size. Um, my personal trading is defined by. 5% is my max size position for anything. Mm. And I'll start in a bear market type chop buying a 2% weighting. And as much as that doesn't seem like it's exciting, you can still make money and you can widen your stops uh, because 
you're not as anxiety driven with a huge position. That's that's just I, it just works for me, and it's it's made me money this year. So you still see opportunities here and there in the tech sector, despite inflation rising, despite interest rates going up, um, making it difficult to buy the sector on the more structural level, right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little concerned about some of the the semiconductor names. Intel mm. uh, gave guidance at a conference this week, and it was it was just awful. And you know, this is in technology. There's the cockroach theory that you can't just have one cockroach and there's no others. You open up the cabinet and boom, there they all are. And that was in 2000 how the tech wreck started. You started to see a couple companies give guidance cuts and and I think Intel is you know good enough for me that uh, they're seeing slowdown in PCs and other uh, verticals of, of where they supply chips. And customers might be at this point. We had a, we might have a, another glut of semis out there. So that's kind of what I'm watching right now. And semis, to me, are really the the, the part of the food chain, the tech food chain that I watch the most. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I also noticed that you made a short remark related to the uh, holdings of Spotify within the ARKK ETF. Um, could you please elaborate what 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 that was right. about and why you are, why you're watching that? Well, you know, I, we've talked about on Real Vision a bunch of times. Ark and Kathy Wood and her. I, I watch her trading style day to day. I have a site that I watch and I see what what she's doing. And I, one of the names that I bought and I, I sold it um, recently it was Spotify when it was Ooh. under a hundred and it's down from 400 or I believe it's around 400 so it's it's been down pretty significant and the CEO bought a million dollars or a boatload I don't forget the amount that he bought on an open market purchase that to me gives a little bit of confidence uh, that he sees his, his company bottoming but the thing is Every single day for the last month, I see ARC funds selling substantial amounts of Spotify. And that was one of the reasons why I bailed out of it, because I just want to wait for her to finish. And now I looked at a chart today that someone sent me, and her holdings have gone straight down, and the stock has been fairly steady. And if we clean her up, and that she's out of the picture as far as a seller, I think the stock could could lift. Um, I mean, it's now getting a little late in this bounce, obviously, that it may not. But we really want to see a big seller like that exit. Yeah, it's a very interesting point, Tom. Uh, we have a great question from uh, Travis um, asking about the relationship between 
interest rates, bond markets, and uh, equities, because he noted that we didn't get a reaction in bonds when uh, we had this late sell-off in, in equities today. And you and I quickly debated before we went on air whether the next leg law in equities could actually lead to a, a rally in bonds. What do you make of this relationship and um, the uh, road we have ahead? Well, we've had, you know, looking in bad bond and bad bear markets, uh, you can go back to 2011 in Europe, um, rates spiked. This was in the Greek, you know, tragedy of the Eurozone um, summer of 2011. Rates spiked, stocks went down, and so you had just no place to hide in Europe. And that start, that's been happening here in the U.S. Um, and in Europe, um, so to speak, with rates moving higher um, and that relationship and stocks, you know, going down. That relationship where, you know, the risk off, you buy bonds and with, and that just hasn't, that's not, um, that doesn't apply in this market. Um, there will be bond bounces and sentiment for in the bond market is absolutely dreary and market sentiment for me is a condition it's not necessarily a trigger and i always get these things where you know aaii sentiment pulls oh it's really low the bearishness blah 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 it can stay bearish for a while and you want to look for triggers and i'm starting to get some demark signals in the bond market and i will be honest that this has been such a strong trend with rates that the signals have only seen very nominal reactions, a stall, a couple, you know, days of, of rates going down, and then boom, they go right back up, and that tells me a lot about how strong this, this, you know, the bond market sell-off is. So I, and I'm not buying bonds here. I've been a more barren bonds. So it's, uh, but I can see, I can see a bounce. Um, possibly developing here and maybe maybe it'll be tomorrow i don't know yeah i mean it's been uh, one big mess to be a bond pool this <laughs> this spring uh i tried to to dip my toes into that market once just before putin invaded ukraine that was an absolutely awful timing uh and i mean i still lack the confidence to try and dip my toes into that market again right now uh i i I agree with you that if you look at the positioning, the sentiment, etc., it looks like the perfect contrarian setup to buy bonds. Uh, but we still need some more evidence that inflation is actually headed in the right direction to back towards two before we can really uh, provide a compelling bicycle for bonds, in my humble opinion. Uh, you know, so it, one thing to remember is uh, the market is missing one of the larger buyers of bonds. Uh, the Fed is now... Um, it's it's QT baby. We're they're they're no longer in the market, and that was, you know, they were a, a part of demand, and now there's a lot of supply. And the further up we move in interest rates, uh, those people that are long bonds are going to panic even more and look for liquidity. And one thing in in these types of markets, they will sell everything. The, the, you can't necessarily oh I'm going to hide in gold or crypto or NFTs. I mean, that's being funny there. Or you you have to, and even real estate is, is could be fading. Cash is the only place to be um, when bond markets unravel like this. Because 
People look for liquidity. Oh, gold's liquid. I'll sell some gold. Um, that's that's what's happening right now. And if the rate of change on rates starts to pick up even more, and that happened today, obviously in Europe, hmm. that gets real scary for bond managers. Yeah, it does. In relation to what you mentioned on on real estate, maybe even fading now, uh, we have a question uh, in on the YouTube channel. Um, relating to uh, the so-called NLI, uh, a 13 to 15% dividend uh, paying defensive REIT, so Real Estate Investment Trust. Uh, this also relates a bit to the to the clip we showed with uh, Simon Mikhailovich, a very strong cash flow generating defensive business. Would that be something that you would be willing to look at at this juncture of the business cycle and, and, and what you see? That's a 35% yield? Is that what, oh, I, I don't know what that is, but I would say that um, I'll pass on that because mm. most likely it's too good to be true. And we've seen a few things in this world recently that are too good to be true. And I'll pass on high yield things uh, for more stability. Um, absolutely. In, in these markets, chasing yield is an absolute killer because, oh, they cut their dividend and boom, mm. everything goes down. Uh, but right now, I think it's just you buy the best quality. Um, and if the equity market goes down even lower, the first thing I do is tell people, upgrade the quality of your, your portfolio right mm. there. Mm. Look for stable cash flows. Uh, final thing I wanted to touch upon uh, with you today, Tom, is, is China. Um, I know it's very tricky to figure out what's actually going on uh, over there at the moment, uh, but we have a question from Gregory asking us whether we think China is softening up or not. Uh, we had news out early this morning that parts of Shanghai will be back in lockdown as a consequence of a new spike in case counts. Uh, what do you make of the Chinese situation? Is it something you find important when you take decisions these days? Well, of course, I, I think that, um, you know, I saw the things were getting, you know, locked down again in certain places. Uh, it's it, Overall, though, I think it's starting to open up and I think that's a positive um, right now. I. I think that the Chinese government is starting to wake up and see some of the damage that they've done with the technology sector and partly as well they have to perhaps support some of their real estate um, sector uh, because that's been an absolute disaster and that it that starts to implode notably um, China's got a much bigger problem than than we know and so I, I think right now, yeah, I'm watching China really closely. You know, one thing they didn't do in COVID is they didn't overstimulate. And so they have bullets um, to, you know, stimulate the markets and they're starting to do a little here and there. Uh, but if things really get out of control, I think that they, they'll do their thing. Uh, not necessarily I, I agree with a lot of things that they do, um, but it is what it is and you have to follow it. It, it's an absolute fair point on China being um, still able to to stimulate markets in, in sharp contrast to what we see from the Fed and the European Central Bank because they're basically mm -hmm. forced in the other direction compared to the People's Bank of China. We don't have a big inflation pressure in China. Uh, that's basically the only place in the globe where you don't have that. Uh, yeah, which makes... in North Korea too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, if you make up the numbers, it's pretty easy to uh, never have that problem. But uh, I'm just I'm just kidding there. Um, 
Fair enough. I mean, a final <laughs> remark for my side on, on China. Uh, I, I um, run a, um, a GDP model uh, on China based on things that actually happen. Uh, so electricity production, uh, ships uh, leaving ports, etc. Uh, and it looks absolutely awful right now. It looks as bad as it did in February, March 2020. Uh, so to me, a lot of the hit to the Chinese economy has already been taken because, of course, if you lock down a country, you'll get a recession. That's that's as simple as that, basically. Uh, so I think most of the hit to the Chinese economy has already been taken. Uh, so will that there def- be um, what about supply chains? Yeah, that's the big that's the big issue here. Uh, they may export the supply chain issues to us, and they may export the weakening growth uh, or the recessionary trends to us as well, both in Europe and in the U.S. with the time lag. So that's clearly one of the things I'm watching over the next two quarters whether we get the spillover effects from, from China. Yeah. you just full of happiness and joy today yeah. going over the markets. That, let's conclude <laughs> with a final question that we received um, because Ralph is asking who's on the picture behind me here. Uh, and I actually received a message last week on uh, the daily briefing from a, uh, from a, a, a listener um, saying that it looked like Joe Biden eating a cigarette. <laughs> so uh, I don't know whether it's Joe Biden. I don't think it is, but uh, that's my that's my best take. Kind of looks uh, like Hunter Thompson. The, the, could be. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he liked to smoke and he was kind of crazy and uh, yeah. good time uh, probably to hang out with. I'll uh, I'll ensure you to have the answer ready for tomorrow because uh, I will be back again tomorrow with the real uh, Vision Daily briefing. It's been a pleasure to host you, Tom. Thanks for being here. Thank you, and uh, nice to you know finally meet. And this was a very uh, lovely conversation. And thanks everyone for uh, hanging out. I enjoyed it as well. Thanks for the question, guys. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with Peter Bukwar, so stay tuned for that. I know it will be an interesting day with the CPI report upcoming. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.